Welcome, folks, to Brand of Man Ministries, building one disciple at a time for the cause of Christ. I'm your host, Will Hunsaker, and for today's episode, I would like to ask you to open your Bibles with me to Ephesians 2, verses 19 through 22, where we will read the chapter's closing remarks. Now, it's in these remarks that Paul will emphasize what believers have become through the blood of Christ. So let's go right to that text, beginning in verse 19 from the Apostle Paul. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. So Paul opens that up with saying, so now. Essentially, this is going to be a concluding statement. And this is where he begins to paint a portrait of the redeemed, what we've now become. Paul has explained in a very deliberate way, step by step, how God brought those who were once far away from him near by the blood of his Holy Son, Jesus Christ. It makes no difference who you once were, what you once did. You are now a child of God by way of the cross. So what's the result of that? Well, Paul says we're no longer strangers. That's a critical point. We blow by it quite quite easily when we read this text. We were once separated from God by commandments and sacraments and rituals. You even see a little bit of this today. We're separated by what we do rather than what has been done. Our status has drastically changed. We're no longer a part of that sacrificial system, the, where the commandments and, and sacraments and rituals determined your status with God. Our status has drastically changed. We have a home now. We've gone from reject to priority, and the home is an eternal one at that. Now, we know the first people chosen by God were the Jews. They were the saints of old. We are now part of that holy family through the blood. Of Christ. This is what we've become, folks, by the grace of God alone, not by what we do, but what has been done for us. Now we can see Paul developing this portrait. We've been brought near, become citizens of God's kingdom. Not only that, we've been adopted into his family. He further develops this portrait, and it becomes a likeness of God's temple, a holy temple. Now, I would encourage you to do some side reading on what it means, the term means holy. It's used in various ways, so I wouldn't apply that holy here to how holy is applied to God. Very different. R.C. Sproul does a great um, analogy of that. I would encourage you to look that up. But this church will have an expanded occupancy, okay? It becomes a likeness of God's temple. 
but with an expanded occupancy. It is no longer only the Jews that are allowed in the temple, but now all who believe. Paul further reveals the details of God's church. And he first comes at the foundation, which is an obvious place. We all know the significance of a foundation. This should immediately remind us of, if you're familiar with it, the parable Jesus told his disciples at the end of his Sermon on the Mount. This would be Matthew 7, and he he talks about two builders. Now, one of the builders was very wise. He built his house on a solid foundation so it could withstand all the, the, the turmoil that nature would come against it with. The other builder was foolish. He built his house on a weak foundation, and it didn't survive. Now, needless to say, the collapse of the foolish builder's house was great. And Paul tells us that the foundation of God's church is the apostles and prophets with Christ as the central element. Paul says, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. That's verse 20. Now, why would Paul include the apostles and prophets with the foundation of God's church? Well, context is always king. So what was the key role of an apostle or a prophet? It was to instruct God's people in his will and his word. Now, these terms that Paul uses here, apostles and prophets, They're not generic terms. He's referring to a select few, those commissioned by divine authority to teach about Christ and his ways, such as the 12, possibly even himself. In any event, this is not a loose term that we can apply to anyone in the church today with an abstract thought or a a charismatic presentation. This was not Paul's intent. These were foundational figures who bore witness to Christ, were commissioned by him to teach and to establish God's church. Next, Paul describes our part in the church structure. Let let me back up just for a second on this and and tell you something I think is very critical in the church today. The, The Direction seems to be by many today is to be more concerned about the fruit that you produce rather than the uh, principles behind it. Because you can get too tied up that in that it becomes law. That's their thinking. I would encourage you to look at it this way. If you were to tell a farmer, you need to be more concerned about your fruit that you produce and less concerned about the seed you use to produce it, they would say you're crazy. Because the quality of fruit you have is determined by the quality of seed you plant. That's essentially the doctrine in biblical theology. The quality of fruit that we all produce is based on the principles that have been taught to us. And the foundation of God's principles were taught by the apostles and the prophets And the cornerstone of that, the central part of that was Jesus Christ. That's the point Paul is making. And I think it was an important one for us to stress today. Principle, doctrine, very important in our Christian 
lives. So next, Paul describes our part in this church structure, as I said. we He says, we are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Chapter 2, verse 21. Now, this is an intentional act. He says, we're carefully joined together in him, not haphazardly. Carefully, with the foundation being the teachings of the apostles and the prophets about Christ. The Apostle Peter gives a very similar reference to believers as living stones joining the living cornerstone. This is from Peter. He says, you are coming, or you who are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple, and you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. That's 1 Peter chapter 2, 4 and 5. The function of a cornerstone in, in construction in an architectural manner is to bind walls together, to strengthen them together, to form a solid structure. This is the image Paul gives us. Christ is joining us together to form the temple of God. What then is the purpose of this temple? Well, Paul tells us in verse 22, he says, through him, You Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. That's the purpose of the temple. Ephesians 2, 22. The purpose of God's temple in the Old Testament was to be a dwelling place of God, which is the exact purpose today. The church is to be a place where the spirit of God lives. However, our church is not made of four walls and a roof. It is a spiritual temple constructed of living, redeemed souls whose foundation is Jesus Christ. When Paul wrote this epistle to the Ephesians, the Jewish temple still stood in Jerusalem, but it was void of God. Jesus had established a new covenant in his blood. He is now the bread of life. No longer the temple, no longer the commandments, no longer the sacrifices, no longer the rituals. He is now the bread of life. He is now the light of the world. We all walk in that light. He is now the door to the kingdom of heaven. He is now the good shepherd guiding his flock. He's that cornerstone. He is now the resurrection and the life. He is now the true vine from which all branches grow. And he is now the way, the truth, and the life. He is not one of many ways to God. He is the only way to God. We've become a new creation brought near to God through his person and blood. That is who we have become, a new creation in Christ. So we'll end with Paul's statement. In Galatians chapter 3, very appropriate for this. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs 
and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Thank you for listening. And next up on Open Your Bibles, we'll begin chapter 3 of Paul's magnificent letter to the churches of Ephesus. We'll take a look at Ephesians 3, 1 through 6, where Paul addresses the divine revelation made known to him to give to all of God's chosen. Grace and peace. And remember, the Bible cannot mean anything different today than it did back then.